This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. To the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. Welcome back to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. I'm Zach Rizzuto, and this is your Friday morning update episode. I'm going to be covering all the news and updates you need to know from over the past, you know, 36-ish hours. And, of course, the Thursday night shootout between my Cowboys and the Seahawks. Faraz, he is not on the show today. You know, we're playing each other in one of our few leagues that we're in together for this week. And uh, he saw that I started Geno Smith last night out of desperation because Justin Fields was on by and decided, you know what, that, 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 that's enough fantasy football for this weekend. <laughs> Geno Smith had a huge game. He, he hopped on a jet to Jamaica. That's how bad it was. Not actually. But in the meantime, we've got a lot to talk about that's unfolded recently around fantasy football. But first, let's just get into the game last night. Let's just start by saying that we've been dying to have one of these games, you know, on Thursday night football all season. Al Michaels finally gets a good game. It was a ridiculous game because there were about 19 flags for the first three quarters. And then the fourth quarter was clean. There weren't hardly any flags at all. But we got a ton of fantasy points out of this one. We finally got a good game on Thursday night football. But it wasn't really the way that it was supposed to happen coming into this week. You know, you look at the Cowboys and the Seahawks, a lot of teams, Dallas have been blowing teams out. You know, all of the big names on both sides in this game were able to come through besides Tyler Lockett. You know, obviously it feels bad. I feel bad for anybody who had Tyler Lockett last night because it was a scoring explosion. He was the one receiver that just kind of, you know, got the short end of the stick. But nobody expected an offensive click clinic like we saw in Dallas last night. Dallas, they hadn't allowed more than 20 points in a game to any opponent this season at home. And the Seahawks had 21 by halftime. And Seattle, coming into the game, they hadn't scored an offensive touchdown since week 11. So those streaks coming to an end, that made a huge difference. And it made this game a back and forth from wire to wire. And for the first time since 2021, and just the fifth time in the Super Bowl era, there were zero punts in this game. Zero. Like, I, I, it was the Monday night game. 
just this past week in week 12 between the Vikings and the Bears where they had punt, punt, punt. It was just an absolute offensive mess. Talk about a turnaround. The script writers, they must be making a playoff push in their fantasy league or something because this was exactly what the doctor ordered for a lot of teams. And if you were on the right side of these matchups, you're feeling great going into the week 13, into the rest of week 13. You're looking pretty good at making a playoff push. But if you were playing against DK Metcalf, if you were playing against CD Lamb, if you're playing against Dak Prescott, Geno Smith, Maybe you had Geno Smith on your bench. Like, I feel for you, son. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you had Geno Smith on your bench, that, that, that's got to be tough. And I got to say, a lot of people probably didn't have him in their lineups because this matchup didn't look good on paper. But it was just an offensive clinic. And, you know, you can't really be upset about it. This is exactly what you want to see as a fantasy football fan. Um, but a lot of teams are off to really good starts. We might have seen the top two fantasy finishes for Week 13 already and at the quarterback position after last night's game. You know, Geno Smith, like I just mentioned, he entered this game with three passing touchdowns over the past four weeks. He had three passing touchdowns in this game alone. So he doubled his total over the past four games. Five games, it should be. Yeah, five games in one game. <laughs> All of those touchdowns went to DK Metcalf. We'll touch on him in a little bit here too. But both him and Metcalf, they easily had their best fantasy performances of the season. And what was a really tough matchup on paper, like I mentioned, against the Cowboys, you know? And Geno Smith also added a rushing touchdown in the third quarter. That gave him four total touchdowns on the night. Geno Smith had 30 points, his first 30-point outing of the season, his first three passing touchdown outing in the season. Like, this came completely out of left field. You can't blame anybody for not putting Geno Smith in their lineup at this point. But if you did, I, and I did out of desperation, you know, in one of my leagues, like you're feeling fantastic right now. Now, the question for Geno Smith moving forward is, can he keep this up next week against the 49ers? Can he keep it up the rest of the way? Because if you look at the whole game log, this is just one week. This is the outlier. Like I, we would love to see this type of game from Geno Smith the rest of the way because he was utilizing his receivers. And we're going to talk about them in a bit. But he's going to San Fran now week 14. And as good as he looked against the Cowboys, you know, I don't know if I personally want to bank on another one of those performances happening. You know, like this was a great match, not a great matchup, but this was a great game for him. He looked good, but I don't know if I want to bank on that happening the rest of the way because the 49ers are a different animal. Dallas has been getting beat on defense a little bit more than usual or than you would expect given the way that they're talked about around the league. So it's definitely something to keep in mind. I will say though, Geno Smith, he looked like 2022 Geno for the first time this season last night. You know, he had the one pick to Deron Bland, but other than that, like he was pinpoint on all of his throws. And you could say, oh, Deron Bland got the interception, but Deron Bland was getting worked last night. DK Metcalf had his number. Even JSN had his number. Tyler Lockett was beating him. He just dropped that one pass at the end of the game. It would have been game changing. Um, Geno Smith didn't miss him. It was just tough out of the break. Geno Smith had to let the ball go just a little bit early and the timing was off. Micah Parsons was breathing down his neck, so it could have been an even bigger game for Geno Smith. There were a couple of those plays where he had to get the ball out just one, one tick too early, and the receivers weren't able to get their head around. So there could have been a much bigger game. I don't want to buy into Geno Smith the rest of the way, but I do think that there's potential for him to be a solid fantasy scorer the rest of the way. This is something that he can build on, and he has decent matchups coming up the rest of the way. And Speaking of the receivers, Tyler Lockett, I mentioned him before, you know, he was the odd man out this week, but he was still one of three Seahawks pass catchers to earn a 22% or higher target share in the night. You know, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, they both had eight targets apiece, but it was Jackson Smith and Jigba that ended up leading the Seahawks receivers in target share. 31% target share last night, 11 targets. He's still not playing a role larger than he's had this season. His snap share is actually down a bit in this one from 83% last week to 74% this week. 
but it's 35% targets per route run led the Seahawks by a mile. Like this is fantastic news for me. It, it, it was, it could have been a bigger night. He had that one touchdown call back. It wasn't a touchdown. I just want to put that out there. Uh, there are a lot of people crowing about, oh, there should be, there should be a touchdown. Like if you watch the replay, the ball rolled inside of his arm. That definitely shows that he didn't have control of it. It was, it was unfortunate from fantasy perspective, but he did drop that one, but he got the target share last night. And not every pass was perfect. Of the three Seahawks wide receivers, he had the lowest accurate ball percentage from Geno Smith. I think it was around 64%, according to Fantasy Life's data profiles. Uh, Geno Smith throwing the DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, they both hovered around 80% accurate throw percentage, catchable pass percentage, I should say. So he set those career highs, JSN, in targets 11, receptions 7 last night. Even though that production that we've seen over these past few weeks doesn't jump off the page at you, you know, JSN's made strides this year from earlier this season. And I think he could be a low wide receiver three with upside moving forward if the offense can build on this performance. Seattle's wide receivers have the sixth most favorable favorable schedule uh, the rest of the way with matchups against San Francisco, Philadelphia, Tennessee, and Pittsburgh on tap over the final four weeks of the fantasy season. They have that matchup in week 18 against the Cardinals, but at that point, the fantasy season's over. If you have people... If your commissioner in your fantasy league has your championship being played in week 18, it might be time to get a new league. That's, that's just a suggestion because there's so much going on that last week. Players sitting, it's really not a good idea to have your whole season hinge on a game where a lot of your star players might be resting because they're going into the playoffs. So just a tip from me there. And then we also have to mention DK Metcalf's game. Dallas had just no answers for him. He looked like the specimen that we all know he is last night. And I, I don't know if it was just me. And maybe it is. I, I doubt it, though. It just blows me away that we don't see more performances like last night from DK Metcalf in a season. Like, he still doesn't have any games with double-digit receptions. That was just his second 100-yard game of the year. Like, it makes you wonder what a player like him could do on an offense with a guy like Patrick Mahomes at quarterback or another top-flight quarterback. I'm not saying Geno Smith didn't play well last night, but they're not getting him the ball enough i don't think the target shares will tell you that they're getting him the ball but when you have a guy that's his size on the outside he is a mismatch for every single corner in the league besides maybe reek woolen you know reek woolen the guy that's on his team you know coincidentally because reek woolen's 6-4 and he runs fast dk metcalf he hit 22 i think it was like 22.4 miles per hour last night running on that 73 yard touchdown like a guy that big should not be moving that fast it's just he's absolutely ridiculous i i think that I'm just genuinely surprised that we don't see more games like we saw last night. Like, Deron Bland was getting beat. It didn't matter who Dallas put on him anyway. Like, it was just an offensive clinic for Seattle. The matchups were just out the window at this point. You know, both of these defenses, they weren't bad, you know, uh, against the receivers. You know, the fancy matchups, they, they weren't like ones that you would see teams take advantage of like they did last night. So, that it was just an interesting game. It was great to see, you know, in terms of fantasy points scored. But, I just think we should probably be seeing more of DK Metcalf like that the rest of the way. And the sign language bit is just hilarious, too. They said he's standing on business. That, that's the translation for the one that he did this week. It's just hilarious to see what he comes up with uh, the rest of the way. Going to the backfield in Seattle, you know, Zach Charbonnet, he dominated the touches in this one. He had a really solid day given the game script, but he did leave the game late with a knee injury that he wasn't able to return to the game for on the Seahawks' last few offensive possessions. And those were... You know, money possessions. They were go-ahead touchdown possessions, like the opportunity that you could have had to win the game. There was three straight, and they weren't able to get him back out on the field. It was late in the game when the injury actually happened, so it's hard to imagine that the trainers were just going to throw 
anyone out there after they were injured as late as Charbonnet was, let alone Zach Charbonnet. But this could have implications moving forward if Charbonnet would miss time. You know, Kenneth Walker, he had a shot at playing this week, but he ultimately didn't go. And now they get an extended rest for, for their next game in week 14 against 49ers. If Charbonnet's injury is something that forces him to miss time, including week 14, like there's a chance Walker could come back next week and have the work in the backfield all to himself. Now, this is obviously speculation at this point, and we'll probably hear more about the injury today. I'm recording right now. It's right around noon on Friday, but this is definitely something to monitor. You know, if Kenneth Walker would come back and have the backfield to himself, he could have the workload that he had earlier in the season when Zach Charbonnet wasn't a factor, when they weren't working him into the offense like they are now. Charbonnet did have his snaps reeled back a bit in this one. He was on the field for just 63% of the Seahawks offensive snaps after averaging 86% in each of the past two weeks. But a lot of that work that he lost came in the receiving game, which was interesting because he was relying on that these past few weeks to kind of give him that security as a low RB2, high RB3. He loses that this week. He didn't have quite as many targets, but he had the rushing touchdown, the first of his career, by the way in this matchup. So he was able to come through, but it's just something to monitor. I personally look at this injury. He wasn't able to come back. I don't want to say that he's going to be out for sure next week, but I am interested to see. I think that this might be something that holds him out for a week or two. I'm not a doctor, but this is just my gut feeling with this one. Kenneth Walker could come back. It's going to be interesting to see what the workload is going to be for Kenneth Walker. I don't think that he's going to get the receiving work. You know, I don't think it's going to be like Zach Charbonnet had this receiving work and then now he's out and we're just going to move that receiving work over to um, Kenneth Walker. I think they're going to get somebody else to spell him in those situations. But if you talk about 20, 20 some carries, hopefully the game script can, can be a, a little bit better for Seattle next week against San Fran because then it wasn't the first game. They can keep it competitive. You know, we're looking at some serious value here with Kenneth Walker. You can come back and be probably a low end RB1. You know, back to that status that we had him earlier this season. Before we talk about the Cowboys, we're going to switch sides. I do have a request for you guys. And most of you who listen to the podcast, you know, you're not subscribed to the podcast. So if you could just take a few seconds to do that now, it helps us out so much. It helps keep us consistent, helps us improve the show. It helps more people find out about us, which in terms helps us improve the show. More shows can be added. More types of shows can be added. You know, we have a lot of plans for this podcast in the future coming up just this off season and the rest of the way, even next season, we have a lot of plans for it. So it's only going to get bigger and better, but we need your help to do that. Hitting the follow button on your podcast app means a ton. Hitting subscribe on YouTube means everything as well. If you could just go ahead and do that for us before you get into the Cowboys here, that would really appreciate it. Froz really appreciate it. We, all of us here at upper hand, we would appreciate it if you went ahead and subscribed and followed on all of your platforms on the other side of the ball. Now we're going to talk about the Cowboys. Dak Prescott just continues to play on another level since Cowboys bye week. And yes, I don't know if you're going to be listening to this on Spotify or watching on YouTube or where this is going to end up, but I am in my Dak Prescott jersey. So please don't take this with a grain of salt. I don't think there's anything to be taken with a grain of salt with the way that Dak Prescott is playing. This was his sixth straight game with two or more touchdown passes, and he's thrown for three or more touchdowns in five of his past six. He's thrown 20 touchdowns total to just two picks these past six weeks. There's no further analysis necessary at this point for what he's doing. If his QB2 finish, he finishes QB2, obviously, last night behind Geno Smith. So right now he's a QB2 on the week in week 13. If that holds up through the weekend, this will be Dak Prescott's sixth top three finish over the past seven games, dating back to week six against the Chargers. That is just ridiculous production, consistency, security. And the matchups, 
Like the matchups have been good where he's getting these finishes in, but he has fantastic matchups the rest of the way too. He's got the Eagles coming up. Then he goes to the Bills and he goes to the Dolphins, the Lions. Then he, a couple of these games at home. Like you're going to be sitting pretty if you have Dak Prescott as your quarterback heading into the fantasy playoffs. And if, you, if you've had him these past few weeks, like you're probably not losing many games. Like at this point, he is producing as the top fantasy quarterback and he might be the best real life quarterback over the past six weeks. You can't discount what he's doing. So there's no analysis here. Just start Dak every single week. He has the upside. It's just been a complete 180 from what we've seen, what we saw from him in the first six weeks of the season when he only had six touchdown passes and a couple picks. I think it's four picks. So I don't know what they put in cereal, but it's working. And we're just going to live with that. Dak threw touchdown passes, those three last night, to C.D. Lamb, Brandon Cooks, and Jake Ferguson. They all came through for you in your fantasy matchup against the Seahawks. You know, After catching just 10 passes over the past two games, C.D. Lamb was targeted 17 times and corralled 12 of them for 116 yards and yet another touchdown to push his touchdown streak to four games. The 17 targets that C.D. Lamb had, it's a 44% target share. Just absolutely ridiculous. Set a career high in targets for the game and tied his career high in catches for a game. Again, no analysis necessary here, but Lamb has a chance. He could have more matchups like this one the rest of the way with Philly, Buffalo, Miami, and Detroit, like I just, just mentioned, on deck to close out the fantasy season. Brandon Cooks, too. He caught his third touchdown in the past four games. It's the story, it's the moral of the story these past few weeks with these Cowboys pass catchers is touchdowns, touchdowns, touchdowns. He got his signature, Brandon Cooks, four targets in this one. It's a weird statistical quirk for Cooks. He's had exactly four targets in seven of his 11 games this season. So he's not a target earner in this Cowboys offense. He's not somebody you want to depend on on a weekly basis, especially if you're starting him as a wide receiver three, hopefully not as a wide receiver two. But you also don't want to discount what he's doing. You know, you can put him in your flex and get away with it. Yeah, you know, Given the way that Dallas is playing offense and the matchups that they have coming up, you know, I, I just keep putting him in your flex for the touchdown upside if that's the situation you're in. Because he's been getting it done these past few weeks. The Cowboys have found their feet on offense. If the Cowboys are going to continue to be this uh, explosive on offense, he, he's going to have an opportunity to score every single week. And honestly, the way these past few weeks have gone, he has a better shot at scoring than not. Just given the statistics that he has, I believe he has five touchdowns in the past seven games. Like You're going to be fine with him in your lineup. He should, in most cases, come through for you, especially in your flex. And that's a low that's a low stakes spot to be putting him in your fantasy lineup. So definitely roll with him as long as the Cowboys offense and Dak Prescott's playing the way he is. Tony Pollard, get a good matchup against the Seahawks. Wasn't very efficient on the night. 20 carries for 68 yards, just 3.4 yards per carry. But he did add a touchdown and three catches for 15 yards to push him in a position to finish as an, an RB1 on the week. You know, it'll be a low-end RB1 probably. Maybe a low-mid RB1 given all the bye weeks that we have this week. But Pollard had 20 or more carries for the first time since week three. And he's got touchdowns in each of his past three games. The workload has been there in each of the past three games. And it seems like Dallas has found a balance that lets Pollard contribute in real life for them and in lineups for fantasy football. This is great news, guys, because these past few weeks, he was a completely complimentary player to what they were doing in the passing game. He's averaging 20 touches a game in his past three overall opportunities, including carries and targets. That puts him squarely back in the RB1 conversation on the highest scoring offense in the league. This offense is just churning out touchdowns right now, and it doesn't look like they're slowing down anytime soon. So if Pollard can get those 20 touches, like I just mentioned, over his past three, if that usage continues, he, he should be right back. I don't think he's going to save himself from being a Titanic fantasy bust because a lot of people were naming him the RB1 overall, but he can make 
he can make up for some of the struggles that he's had this season in these last few games of the fantasy regular season if he can continue to get that workload. Jake Ferguson, he popped up back on the fantasy radar in this one. That's kind of how he's been all season. He was a distant second on the team in target share to CeeDee Lamb with just 18% of targets, but he still ended up catching six of his eight targets for 78 yards and a touchdown, 77 yards, excuse me. As long as Dak is playing as well as he is, Ferguson, you know, he's going to be worth consideration every week as a tight end one with upside. And he's got four touchdown catches over the past six games after finding the end zone just once through the first six. The way that the tight end position is shaking out, we have the injuries at the top with Mark Andrews, a lot of quarterbacks going down that have, you know, these top flight tight ends that aren't going to be getting the workload anymore. We just recently saw TJ Hawkinson is defying that narrative a little bit. But with Jake Ferguson putting up this type of, he has this type of ceiling every single week. You know, especially with the touchdowns coming fast and furious, he's going to be worth a look as a tight end one. You know, every single week the rest of the way, and the upside's there. But he also has a floor um, that's relatively low, just given the fact that CD Lamb is just that much of a target earner. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. That's enough for the game. We're going to move on to some news here. Just come up as of late. Not a whole lot. Faraz went through some of the news on yesterday's episode. So just a couple updates on those situations that he had mentioned and also a couple new things that popped up. Jarek McKinnon, he practiced on Thursday after missing on Wednesday with a groin injury. Isaiah Pacheco, he had taken the work in the receiving game that was vacated by McKinnon being out last week against the Raiders, but a limited practice Thursday for McKinnon leaves the door open for him to be back this weekend. In that case, Isaiah Pacheco would probably be bumped down a little bit by the time Sunday rolls around. So if we find out that McKinnon is playing, we might want to temper expectations just a little bit for Isaiah Pacheco. Pacheco has been playing good in his own right, but it was that receiving workload that put him over the top that would have him ranked as a higher-end RB1 this week if McKinnon wouldn't play. But if McKinnon plays, we're probably bumping him down a little bit. Demario Douglas, he still isn't practicing because of his concussion. You know, So you can just go ahead and not start any Patriots this week, not name Ramondre Stevenson, assuming that he's unable to clear the concussion protocol. The way that things are trending, I just I don't see it happening. And honestly, I'm not that intrigued. I'm not dying to put Demario Douglas in my lineup unless you're really thin at receiver. He's a flex play at best if he does play, but I'm not sure he's going to play this week. So I just enter this weekend, assuming he's not going to be uh, one of your options at wide receiver uh, going into week 13. Brees Hall, he's been limited through two practices this week, but it doesn't seem like it's anything serious at this point. I'm going to roll into week 13 with him in my lineup comfortably unless something comes out over the weekend that would put his status in doubt. Uh, he was worked heavily last week. <laughs> it could be maintenance. There's no reason to worry about him right now. But if news would come out later on over the weekend, like I just mentioned, that would put his status in doubt, then you could re- reevaluate at that point. But right now, limited practices generally aren't issues. They don't cause an issue for a player status that week. Devon Achan, he got a second limited practice in on Thursday. I know on the last episode, Faraz talked about looking to see him participate in full at some point this week, but it seems like the Dolphins are content to just let him remain limited as they roll into their Week 13 matchup against the Commanders. Bottom line, though, is that it seems like HN is going to play this weekend. Hopefully, he doesn't get injured very early in this game if he does play, but he's playing against the Commanders, so the Commanders' defense has been allowing big plays. They're inside the top 12 and inside uh, for every 
position in terms of fantasy football points allowed to to each of those positions and they're top two three in wide receivers and quarterbacks so this is going to be a fantastic offensive matchup for the dolphins you shouldn't have any reservations about playing him maybe devon aching doesn't even get contacted you know this weekend the way the commander's defense has been playing because this dolphins offense is just on a new level they're all kinds of fast i think devon aching has a nice ups has some nice upside that you can chase this week if you really need it especially if you're already down because you played against DK Metcalf on Thursday night, that kind of thing. So you can definitely get away with Devon Achan playing. If he plays this week, you can, you can get away with him in your lineup. Chris Godwin, he popped up on the injury report. He had a neck injury, and he was listed as limited on Thursday. Pay attention to this um, because pay attention to his practice status on Friday, and you should pay attention because Godwin hasn't been super startable over the past few weeks, but if he would miss... Mike Evans would be just a lock to dominate the target share for the Bucks wide receivers this week against the Panthers. He's been on a heater as of late. He's obviously got a connection with Baker Mayfield, and they're finding him every which way on the field. Godwin has just become an afterthought. And we talked about it a couple of days ago on the podcast where, you know, when Tom, when Tom Brady was in Tampa, Godwin was the flavor of the week. And now it's Mike Evans at this point. And Mike Evans, he's looking to get that thousand yard season again. Hopefully he can do that. I like him in a matchup against the Panthers. It's hard to keep him out of the top 10 even though the Panthers have been relatively stingy against wide receivers and quarterbacks this season. Keenan Allen, he was listed as a did not practice on Thursday DMP, but according to the athletics, Daniel Popper, he was spotted working off to the side during practice. Obviously not what you want to hear for Allen, but Friday's practice will be much more telling of what we can expect for his status in week 13. For now, I'm just standing pat. You can expect to have Allen in your lineup at this point, but don't be surprised if he's slapped with a questionable tag going into this weekend. Hopefully it doesn't become a situation where it's like, oh, it's a game time decision. We're not sure if he's going to play. But at this point, Keenan Allen, you know, he's a veteran. He might not need he's not a receiver, a player that needs to get practice in every single week to be able to produce at a high level. He's Justin Herbert's favorite target. Hopefully we get better news today. You know, we hear that he's practicing at least in a limited fashion or something like that. If he is a DNP again today, that might be reason to think, okay. You, it might be time to start thinking about weighing your options, who you might have to start in case. Just be prepared for that in the event that it would happen. But for now, I'm going to go into this Week 13 matchup assuming that I'm going to have Keen Allen in my lineup. Aaron Jones, he missed practice again on Thursday. What else is new? A.J. Dillon, he also missed practice on Wednesday, but he was able to get back on the field Thursday. He should be good to go against the Chiefs on Sunday night. Given his inefficiency in the tough matchup, though, He's going to be pretty hard to trust in fantasy lineups this week. You know, even with the number of teams on by, I'm not looking to put A.J. Dillon in my in my lineup unless I absolutely have to because the Chiefs, Chiefs defense, the run defense, it's the real deal. Um, I'm not expecting a whole lot of points from the Packers in, the, in, in this game. The Chiefs should be able to win this one pretty handily. They just handled the Raiders. And the Packers, they've been playing better as of late, but it hasn't been through A.J. Dillon that they've been getting it done. It's been through Jaden Reed and the receivers. Who Jaden Reed, he also missed practice on Thursday. He isn't practicing, so definitely keep tabs on that one. That's that's one that you know kind of fl- has flown under the radar. Nobody wants to buy into Jaden Reed just yet because he he has had a couple good games, but he's you know one of those rookies, and it's a crowded wide receiver room in Green Bay. But just pay attention to that one. Hopefully, he's good to go. We're not sure what's going to happen yet. If he practices today on Friday. Uh, we can probably assume that he'll play, but if he doesn't practice again today, we might have to consider, okay, he might be out this week, and you might have to find another option if you're planning on starting J- starting Jaden Reed. That's going to do it for this episode. A quick, easy one. You know, We covered the game, covered some updates. Um, that's going to be it, I think, for this week in terms of episodes. We're not going to be doing one 
tomorrow on Saturday. And on Sunday, we'll try and be back. I'm not sure what the exact plan is just yet. But thanks for listening. We want to thank you for taking the time uh, to listen to the episode. Thank you again. Please subscribe, like we just mentioned before earlier. We really appreciate it. It helps us to really just upgrade this podcast. And just we're trying to take things to the next level. And that starts with you guys. You guys have been a huge part of why we are where we're at right now, you know, making these podcast episodes. So go ahead and hit the subscribe if you can. We really appreciate it. And we'll be back as soon as we can talking more fantasy football for you. Thanks for listening. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 